Hey guys. Welcome to Too Legit to QT, where you can get it done with Tish. Yes, we here come up with me, Koya. So proud of you, Bestie. Uh, today we are so excited because we are kicking it with Elise Oxidine, who is my really great and amazing friend, but she is also the current director of industry and festival outreach at Columbia University's film program. So welcome to the show, Elise. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so happy to be here. Yes. So Elise and I were having high tea for all of you watching. And um, Elise just has had a fascinating career in the entertainment industry. I don't... Ex You've had so many jobs. I don't exactly know what you do. So that's for you to tell the people because you've done so much. Um, I think when I was looking at your website, I was just sitting there and I was like, what doesn't she do? I mean, yeah. literally every aspect of entertainment, of production, of filmmaking, you've done it, which I think the job that you have, I mean, it was literally created and designed for you because- Pretty much. Because you, I mean, you can't, do your job without having done all of those other things. So um, can you tell us a little bit about like what sparked your what sparked your interest in a in, in a career in entertainment? I can't speak today. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's all good because it's like um, and I'm glad you mentioned like my current job and what I do. And, you know, we'll talk about it a little bit later, but I always knew I wanted to help people. Like I knew that was like my purpose in life. You know, it's, it's great to use my purpose and hone it in on helping out uh, emerging filmmakers. You know, I think, you know, how I first got started, I was like, I wanted to be an actress because that was the only career path that I saw that was visible, you know? So as, you know, I've grown up and that was like when I was 12 years old, I said, okay, this is fascinating. There's something here that I'm really enjoying. So I decided to like, you know, say, well, maybe I should be an actress. Then I realized I was a terrible actress. I discovered this at 12 years old. So I had some self-awareness <laughs> at 12 years old and saying like, you know, this isn't my calling. Uh, but then I kind of like jumped around like, well, maybe I should direct. And I was like, you know what? Director's not really my jam. I don't like being on set all day and everything. I was like, maybe I should produce. And so, um, because like I said, you know, growing up, especially for, you know, people of color, black and indigenous people, like, you know, you don't see many options, you know, but I, like I have the most amazing parents and they really encouraged me to like, you know, let's just, you should do this, these things and be involved. There's like this local film festival, there's a local video store. So I just kind of like, you know, just tried to open my horizons and trying different uh, pathways and, you know, um, about 12, 13 years ago, I went, I was a juror for a local film festival in North Carolina. And it just kind of opened my world. I was like, wait a second, there's like a whole new path that I'm not even considering. Mm -hmm. And in every aspect of my career, I discovered like there's more jobs and more opportunities. I'm like, wait a second. I did not know that, wait, you needed someone to do this and someone to do that and someone, someone who puts the movies on Netflix and who, who's the one who puts the movies in the festivals and you start getting exposed to these things and I'm still learning, you know, after being in the industry for so long, like more and more career opportunities um, that I'm just take, taking advantage of when I can. So um, it's a long way of saying like, okay, it's going to take a full hour to talk about all the things that I've done, but like, you know, my biggest, the things I've been the most passionate about were like, you know, film nonprofit 
nonprofits, like, you know, um, film festivals, like anything that's in the discovery of emerging talent. You know, I really was fascinated by distribution. I was like, okay, who are the people determining what, what, what films are watching online and where in the industry could use the most innovation? And I saw that that was distribution. So I said, okay, we need to think about like what the future of distribution, the future of watching content is going to look like. And so like, you know, now that's what I'm focusing on. I do a lot of consultant work and like speaking on panels, talking about like, you know, let's just talk about breaking down, like what is distribution? How does it work? Like how does my film get on a platform? How do I reach an audience? How do I make money with my independent films? <laughs> so it's like a lot of those kind of things where I'm tackling pretty much every day. Mm. Mm. Uh, it's, it's, so, it's so interesting that you're saying that about um, a lot of independent films because finance, when I, when I consult a lot of um, filmmakers, finance and distribution is the main question they always ask about. Mm -hmm. Everybody wants to know about finance and distribution. Yeah. And I used to work for this um, distribution company and you know the the way that it breaks down it's so it's fascinating it's it's fascinating how you get to like negative costs and things like that and a lot of filmmakers don't know and they don't understand that especially independent filmmakers mm -hmm. they just want somebody just to put it up but that's how this this industry that we live in is they feed off and we talked about this last i think the week before they feed off the dream you yeah. know they really don't tell filmmakers about how you can make money. <laughs> like, well, one of my favorite sayings is um, the industry benefits from your ignorance. The less you know, the better. Um, this is like, you know, the whole goal of distribution is to make money. So a lot of people are like, well, I have this dream and I'm passionate about this stuff. They're like, that's cute. Um, so how do we make money? So, and it's not anything that's like yeah. bad, it's just business, you know, mm -hmm. it makes the most, uh, the most amount of business sense to like raise money and to like, get, you know, um, and to make money. So unfortunately right. that's kind of how it is for most companies. <laughs> right. I mean, even just as an artist, you know, um, and we've spoken about this, like getting caught up in the glitz and the glamour of things, having fame, but having, having no money, even mm -hmm. if you're like an, uh, an actress or a writer or a director, I think that if you don't see all, if you don't see all of these jobs, and if you don't see the business aspect of it, then you're not looking at it as a business. But filmmaking is a business. Mm -hmm. But people, they they see people on TV and they see that it's so glamorous, and they're like, oh, and they get caught up. And I think you've talked about this before, best the nostalgia. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's a there there is a nostalgia around films. Um, you know, I, I I have like a couple of independent films that came that are coming out next year, and the first thing I said to my distributors, okay, well, how are we going to how are we going to cap this? You know, mm -hmm. how are we going to cap that? How are we? And a lot of people don't even ask those questions because they're yeah. afraid to lose a distributor. And I'm like, well, if they don't have your film, they don't make money. And it's exactly it's it's, it's supposed to be kind of like a partnership, and you got to think about it. If you were having like a partnership. How would you approach your partner? Right? Exactly, and 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 partnership is also about accountability. And I think yeah. that's where most people they're like, you know, this is my only chance. Especially if you're just starting out, this is my only chance to make money, or only chance to like make a first impression. We heard that, but that's actually not true. Like, there's so many people who actually, you know, they had false starts, fails in the beginning, and they continue going, and they continue to be successful. You know, so when I encourage people to, you know, when they read their distribution contract, one of the first advice I give them, I said, if you don't have a manager, don't have a uh, agent, get a lawyer. Like a lawyer is the most 
beneficial it is going to be the best investment in your entire career and i said that's the um that's like it's the best investment like, like hands down like, we didn't do it but like um there's a lot of times you're trying to read legalese they, they intentionally put language in there to confuse you uh, one of yeah. the things i always talk about too is you know as simple as the audit section in a distribution contract. People don't know that they can actually audit their distributor if their distributor's like, oh, we need to recoup all this cost. We spend so much money on PA, print and advertising and marketing and so on and so forth. And you'd be like, mm, let me challenge that. So it's just a matter of like no knowing what to look for and having someone who's in your corner, who's a professional, who's looked at these contracts um, many times before, is going to save you a lifetime of hope. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And it, it's it's really interesting that you say that because a lot of I, I think that a lot of you know young filmmakers um, they think that their talent is just enough. I don't mm -hmm. I, I I come across that a lot. It's like I'm talent and I'm this and I'm that, but it has no bearing on your sales because there's a whole market for this. There's there are market there are film markets. These yes. festivals are markets. Yeah, are the markets. major ones. Tiff. You know, there's um, the European ones, European film market, Cannes is the largest international film market. And there's tools there too, like Sanando has like a whole database of people who are at these markets and sales agents. Like, you know, this, and also if they don't have a specific market attached to them, um, like TIFF does, like Cannes does with the Marche B film, you know, you are also on the market too. Like, you know, I think that's exactly. one of the things of, that's kind of like it's terrible about losing like uh, in-person festivals because it's an opportunity for you to really network. Pre-COVID, I would tell filmmakers invest the money in going to a festival, to a, especially a festival you always had one of your films to play at, and just go to screenings, go to events, go to activations, like go and like just talk to people. You're going to meet programmers, you're going to meet people who are going, you're going to meet distributors and buyers. They're at the festivals, you know. Um, but now in a COVID world, it's like okay, how do I connect and I and that's a big question that's for a lot of filmmakers so right now it's like how do i like network <laughs> girl let me tell you i would i would just tell them to reach out i mean and and i'm i'm, I'm being i'm being really honest about this because of, of my other two films that were finishing a post while in covid i i just mm -hmm. was like okay i'm just gonna reach out I'm just gonna say hey you know yeah say, hey, i finished the film and believe it or not, it's it's really interesting um, the response that I've been receiving from these distributors, which they're very interested. Oh, yeah. uh, but but um, we're going to continue. <laughs> I know. I was like, we could talk. No, you got to I feel like I feel like it's like the producer and, and the filmmaker no. parts of you guys. But there's there's these, these these tools, these online tools now that you can use to help you with your package, like indie. I don't know if you. Yeah. Maybe yeah, like indie um, that I would have never used before because I was going to the markets. Yeah. <laughs> but I, it just there was no need to really use it. Yeah. So I'm finding also like um, that, it, and 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 maybe we'll talk about it. But yeah. um, there are a lot of tools that people can use now to also help enhance their you know distribution and festival input right now. Um, mm -hmm. So. Well, there's one more thing about that uh, before we probably move on, but you know, since these buyers and these uh, sales agents aren't able to go to festivals, they are looking for different ways of finding content um, that we normally go to festivals. Or getting, they, we've been getting virtual screenings, screeners before the festival. Uh -huh. 
So most of the time, because we just have but so much amount of time when we're at these festivals or at the market to watch different movies. So we get sent screen used to get screeners ahead of time or going to buyer screenings. So now that we can't go to buyer screenings to go to festivals, you reaching out and exposing them to a project that they may not be aware of. A lot of the times, a lot of the films we distributed came through referrals. So it came through people being like, "Oh yeah, you do this," and just or talk to this person. Let me let me connect you with this person. You know, um, one thing I always tell my students is make your network work for you. Like there's probably someone in your network who has access to a distributor or access to somebody. And it's not saying like, oh, can you put me on? It's more so like, you know, if you have a project that you know up and you're able to kind of make a case and, the, and you trust this whole, like the trust the person you're talking to, it can actually be very lucrative for people. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's really interesting. Um, well, you know, you talked about your students. Um, I know that so many people, like, Hollywood filmmaking has just been completely shaken up with this pandemic. Like nothing is done how it used to be done. I mean, Tish talks all the time about the cost of like COVID tests on set, how people now have to like quarantine together on set. Mm-hmm. Like what advice are you giving your um, your students on on how to navigate their careers in this current pandemic? Yeah. And um, one thing I love about my job, I will say this, is that my full time job is mentorship. <laughs> like I'm basically mentoring uh, these filmmakers. I-, I always call them emerging filmmakers, sometimes students. Just depends. You know, when I talk to them, I treat them as like they're already working professionals mm-hmm. and actually preparing them for the industry and how I communicate with them. And um, so saying like, you know, holding people accountable, you know, so reaching out to people like how how to send a cold email. Like I give them instructions on how to do that. You don't the fact that you're in school. So anybody on the call who's in school right now, when you send a cold email, tell people that you're in school. That's the biggest advice I tell people because people respond to um, you being a student. But if you're not a student, you're learning. You know, and I think people like the industry, specifically in our industry, we respect people who actually are hungry, who want to learn, who want to grow, and you communicate that. Like no one likes to be like, "Why well, do all that stuff? Why do all that stuff?" Like no one wants to talk to those people. And so for our student, for my students who are like, "Well, I don't have anything to offer when I try to do this kind of like cold reach out or try to network or build mentorship," I said, "You you have to offer a chance for an industry person to talk about the careers to help somebody else. Like there's so many people who have helped me along in my career, and I." greatly appreciate them being there for me and they're and, and they get something out of that they feel really proud of me when they see me going to do different things and 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 achieving things so like well i was a part of that like you know that means a lot to someone who definitely has worked hard in the industry or someone who had <clears throat> things handed to them <laughs> which happens a lot filmmaking is is but filmmaking is all aspects of filmmaking whether it's technical it or not, it's creative. Yeah. And I think that creative people naturally, like it can't just be about the money. It's about like purpose, you know? Mm-hmm. Like creatives are all about like, I have to be, I have to do something. I have to do something for humanity, you know? Mm-hmm. It's like, it can't just be, a, it can't just be like a bottom line. Sometimes you, you need a bottom line, but yeah. I think that, like, it's not finance per se, you mm-hmm. know, it's not, it's not like medicine. <laughs> yeah. You know what I, I want to say about that? I don't think there's one industry out there where where creativity isn't something that's involved. If you're an engineer mm-hmm. or if you're a doctor or if whatever. But I do think I do think that that what I would love to let creatives know is is that 
have your passion and your creativity is already there. Mm -hmm. It's not something that you have to, it's not something that you have to, you, you can develop it and you can, you can make it better, but it's not something that you have to really just do something more than just yeah. be. Be, no. be something and, other than yourself. And, and, yeah. And the reason why I'm saying that is just to piggyback off what you're saying is that yes, it's a creative industry. Yes. But it's an industry. And that the the reason why this industry thrives is because we say, oh, it's about the passion. Whereas in any other industry, when you have some sort of creative element, whether you are a developer or an inventive, you understand that that you have to have some sort of structure mm-hmm. or some sort of, you know, um, uh, some sort of entrepreneurial skill yes. <laughs> in order for you, in order for you to thrive. So while I, I love the creativity and I, I, I you know, I, I, I work with a lot of first time directors mm-hmm. and I work with experienced people and the difference is just huge. Yeah, it's yeah. a huge difference. And the reason why is not because of the experience is the recognize recognition that Yes, this is my creative endeavor. Yes, I'm super creative. Unless I have a big machine behind me, I can't 100% be. And that's with anybody. Mm-hmm. If, if you're an engineer, if you are, you know, creating the next vaccine, unless you have and and it's really interesting because I've been watching like the news or whatever, and you have these people who are creating this vaccine and they just want to get it right because they're perfectionists. They are artists around yeah. what it is that they do. So I do believe that there's it's a creative industry, but I just, what I want people out there to learn is that don't hold that as the thing that they continue to dingle yeah. in your face, which is the dream. You at The reason why we started this podcast is we want to give you tangible resources yeah. that you can, you can actually do something with what it is, that creative part of you. So we are not like the end all be all of creativity. Exactly. And creativity is just, a universal thing. Well, um, one thing I will say this is like, you know, um, I come from a family of STEM. Like, you know, my brother's a rocket scientist, literally. My sister's a data scientist. My other sister's a biologist. So they're very much kind of like, they're steps. Like growing up, there were steps to take to get to those careers, to be a rocket scientist, to be a data scientist. You know, there were degrees that you got. There were all these different things. And I think the difference in our industry is that there's no one path. You know, there's no steps. Like everyone kind of comes in a different way. Like I came to what I'm doing today in a very like, <laughs> we were all over here. We took me from New York to San Francisco working in tech to LA working in distribution and back to New York again, mm-hmm. you know? So there's looks like no set path, you know? And I think one thing they don't tell you when you're uh, blazing a trail is that you get cuts and bruises around along the way. Uh, unlike any other industry where it's like, you know, like I said, my brother had a very clear path, you know, he said aerospace engineering and everything. Like he had his own challenges that he faced in that, but my challenges are completely different, you know, and also completely valid. And one thing I will say about this industry is that we have more support uh, for each other. So I think we, we've kind of had this idea of like, we don't help each other, da, da, da. but like this podcast exists. You know, there's networks that are, exist. There are communities that exist to help, to help ourselves, you know, and resources. I think that 
out of any other industry, we have the resources, we have people who are willing to share information, you know, and I think that's the key thing. That's been kind of like my whole like idea in life is like, especially with distribution, I said, I'm just, since I don't work for a distribution company anymore, I can tell y'all everything. So, and I do, Yeah. <laughs> you know, so I was like, the more informed you are, I saw that the better you are when you come and you negotiate your contract and you really, you put the red lines in like, uh-uh. This little audit section, I need to audit y'all for up to a year, not just six months, because when I get my filmmaker statement until six months, that don't make no sense. So <laughs> you want to make sure you have like, you know, the, the information. So and then if they don't want to work with you, that's their loss. Like it's not like the end, of, it's not the uh ending, it's just the beginning. And right. then we hear so many, so much triumphant stories that are coming out of our industry, and it's really encouraging. So, you know, I just really want to be encouraging to everybody. And I'm like, you know, this industry, it's tough, but the fact that we are creative, you know, right. the fact that we can kind of make it work, I think it's, it's a really beautiful thing. And, and just to be clear, I wasn't saying that other industries weren't creative. And I wasn't saying that we are only creative. I was used, I was referencing when you were speaking about your students reaching mm -hmm. out to people. I think that, you know, when I think about filmmaking, it's art. At the end yeah. of the day, it's art that has a business attached to it, you know? And I think that when people reach certain levels within their career, you know, they they do want to mentor. They do mm -hmm. want to do something to give back. Even myself, um, I, I've started as soon as I like I turned like 29, I was like, you know, I know that I'm hustling, I'm working, but it can't just be all about me. Like I need to give back in some yeah. way. And I have like different things that I do, but specifically within like entertainment, I was like, I need to, I really would like to mentor like kids, you know? Um, and I have a friend who has a, she has a, a company called the Youth Exposure Project and they do that. Um, so when, when I was speaking about creativity, I was more so saying that like, you know, when your students are reaching out to people and they've reached a certain level of success, they are open because yeah. it's not just, whereas some some other industries, you reach out to people, even if they've reached certain levels and they're like, no. Well, that still happens in our industry. Like it does. But you want to you know what? I will say um, one thing about COVID is that it's, it, and we talk about this, Bestie, is that it kind of leveled the field with everybody. You and people are at home. Who are like, I don't know if you've seen these little groups before during COVID where you could pay this much money to get a birthday wish from this person. Yeah. And leveled the field. Yeah. people online who were laughing about people online now collaborating with them. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you saw a lot of that, but I, I saw a lot of that doing um, you know, during our down period. Mm -hmm. So it's really interesting. I, I think now, you know, I've had more communication with people that I, I, even though I've had access because I'm a line producer, that's what I do for a living. Mm -hmm. You know, the viewers know because I'm a line producer, I have access. But a lot of the times, even though you have access, and this is what I want to say to you viewers, sometimes you might meet people, but it's not the right time. Right, right. Sometimes you may meet people and you think it's the right time, but it's not the right time. And it's just like you just you just build a relationship and you let people know what it is that you're doing over a period of time until it becomes the right time. And, and can I add something else to that? Sorry. Sure, sure. Um, the other, it might not be the right person. You know, I think a lot of times when we try to connect with people, we think that that's going to be that person. Yeah. I've had the people who help me out the most in my career have people who will come from the most unexpected places. Like it was just like, 
white guy who was like a high up executive. I didn't expect nothing from him, nothing. I was just like, okay, so we cool, meet casually like this. And then he was like, you know, he's like, oh, you're part of this job? Wait, let me send an email real quick. I got an email offer within the day. You know, meanwhile, I was chasing, and I'm even transparent, I was chasing this like one, one person I thought she was gonna put me on and she was like working at Netflix and I thought she was gonna like get me in there and it, she, she couldn't help me. You know, but this random person was able to help me get a job. So it just might not be the right person. And one thing I always tell my students is that I never go for the person at the tippy top. Like ne that's not usually my goal. Someone who's mid-career, someone who's like working, but has kind of gotten to the point where not like hustling 24 seven, they kind of, their life has stabilized a little bit. Those are the best people. And you'll know it and you'll feel it like right away when you come across these people, you know, and also social media. Like one of my favorite like Twitter stories has been always with like, um, people, managers or agents or people who just like, you know what, I have time today. Who wants to get advice on screenwriting? Who wants advice on how to get an agent? Like this, these things happen. People who are open and honest and people who want to open up their like contacts, like it's going to come from the most least expected places. But I wouldn't go for like, okay, um, no disrespect to Ava, but like, okay, if, I, if I'm in with Ava, then I'm good. I'm set. You know, and then people who are in good with Ava, she's not opening the doors. And that's only because, okay, that might not be the person who's going to help you. And maybe someone else is completely random who's going to be helping you. So that's just my two cents about that. Can we talk about, and, and this is, my book is coming out. Big guys, my book is coming out um, probably by the time that everyone sees this. My book will be out by then. But I, I, what a, one thing that I wrote about in my, in my ebook is finding your tribe, man. Mm -hmm. Let me tell you something in my career. I have met so many people. And sometimes it's just that they don't mess with you. And we're going to get a little bit more into like opportunity, opportunity readiness, right? Mm -hmm. But you know, sometimes they just don't mess with you. Sometimes they don't have the same values as you. Sometimes they don't have the same grind as you. Sometimes mm -hmm. they don't have the same structure as you. Sometimes they don't even care how you're doing it because you're saying there's so many different ways that you can get to the goal. Sometimes their way is so far left mm -hmm. that it doesn't even fit your way, which means that you have to change your whole value system yeah. just to go their way, you know? And that's that thing that we always talk about this industry is that you have to know who you are. So when opportunities come, you determine whether or not that's the right opportunity that's for right. you. So it's, it's really, it, it always is really interesting when everybody's like, oh, this person is just, what if that person isn't your person? What if that's not your tribe? What if that's my tribe? Can I, and can I add to that too? Because I think I've learned that um, recently. Sometimes you also have to learn in what capacity you want to work with people because you know sometimes maybe on a smaller project you can work with these people because they work this they work in this way but then on a larger project where there's more moving parts maybe you don't use that person because you just have different ways of working um and you spoke a little bit about the things that you do Elise to um to get an industry mentor what are some what are what's some advice that you can give um, filmmakers out there to yeah. other uh, other tips and tricks on how to keep how to get an industry mentor, but also 
how to keep an industry mentor because we talked to Stefan Bristol and Spike Lee is his mentor, but he kind of went through some hoops just to get him, but he also he also worked his behind off to mm -hmm. keep him as a mentor. So, you know, what advice can you give? Them like yeah, time? so in terms of mentorship, not everyone's gonna have Spike Lee as a mentor. Uh, <laughs> it's great, you know, if you get it, but at the best way to approach a mentor, like I said, mid-career, you know, and also your mentor shouldn't be long-term. Your mentor should shift and change as you grow in the industry. You know, I have a mentor just for like, I remember I was like, I want to run a film festival. So I have mentors who run major film festivals. You know, I have mentors who are working at like major streaming platforms like Apple TV and Netflix. I have mentors that are just like nonprofit, like I serve on boards. Like I have a mentor just for that. So I have mentors in different areas and, you know, in terms, and you shouldn't have a mentor for a very long time because you'll become stagnant. So what you want to do is like have a mentor, say for a year, especially if it's someone who's very busy. If you have something that's immediate that you really need help with, then you should send, this is the email to send them. You know, if, if cold email, if you don't know them all well, short introduction. Also, we email the industry. Keep your email short, please. For the love of God. Who has time to be reading somebody's life? Not to say, like, um, like my, and, and this is my advice too, to a lot of people, right? If you're in school, you have something going on, right? Mm -hmm. So that means that you can say to them, students seeking for advice or mentors, yeah. like you have something going on. For people who are out of school, you know, like, yeah that we talk about is creating your own opportunities. If you got something that you're just starting and you needing advice for, that's the best way to reach, in my opinion, the best way to reach out to people because people will be responsive if they know that they can help you in a certain area, a yes. specific area. Very specific. You know? And I'm saying that because that's how I am. I'm yeah. not talking about like, let me, let me just talk about how Tish is, right? Tish gets really busy sometimes, yes. a lot of times, right? And and people reach out and it's not that I don't wanna get back to you, it's just that if you don't have a specific issue that I can help you with at that mm -hmm. time, or I can help you build onto, it's gonna be very, very difficult. Or if you need to identify something, mm -hmm. if you're like, you know what, I'm lost, and then I'll mm -hmm. say, okay, well, let's have a call, let me identify and help you where you, where you need to get at, yep. where you understand you need to get at, and then we can just move on for there. And and in my opinion, those long emails, girl, I just be like, because hey, I, I was like, it's too much. Because the thing is, everyone wants to put it all in one email because they think it's their only shot. And mm -hmm. I'm like, no. So the best way to stru structure this email is like exactly what you said. Like, uh, you want it to be very specific. Emerging filmmaker seeks advice on securing international co-production. So they someone who's like very experienced in that, like give a short introdu introduction to yourself, um, say where you are right now, saying like, I have this like opportunity to like do a co-production with Canada or co-production with Trinidad and Tobago. Um, so it's very specific and it's very finite. Um, and give them a one sentence log line or some information about the project. This is project specific mentorship. And just saying like, let me know when you're free, give them three weeks advance notice, um, because like I said, we're busy. Uh, and then I would love, and then I would love to like chat with you. So that's someone who's like this project specific, you know. And then if it's something you're looking for general mentorship, you know, you're saying like emerging filmmaker seeks mentorship. You know, a lot of the times, like I said, especially now, everyone wants to like kind of connect via online. They still want to connect. Um, so if it's someone who's like, hey, 
short introduction, three weeks advance, but also with someone who you like really respect and you really want to learn a lot from, you say like, you know, I would love to treat you to a virtual coffee, you know, and if you have an extra couple dollars and you really have it enough, get them a Starbucks gift card, $5. It could get like half a drink. Yeah, <laughs> I would love to treat you to coffee. To virtual coffee. That. I would love, I mean, I would love That's to be treated to virtual coffee. And it's just the thought, especially this is for someone who you respect I mean, their time. <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, like, I, literally, I literally, for, I literally been recently for a little project that I have, I've been giving away cards, but you know, I like this idea. Girl. Yeah, <laughs> treat you to virtual coffee. Virtual coffee. Yeah. Come through, we have a three weeks notice. You're probably going to have to go with your assistant. Your assistant will go with their assistant. They'd be like, oh my gosh. Because the thing is, and one thing this misconception about people who mentor is that, you know, they're one, they're human, you know, you know, two, they're not like people see them as a stair step most of the time. You know, I remember when like, you know, it was the people who run the lab programs at Sundance and I just was, you know, their office is off of Wilshire and I was acting from the LA folks on the call <laughs> Wilshire. And there's this amazing, there was amazing pastry shop, uh, Republic. And I like was in the neighborhood and I messaged them. I was like, Hey, I'm in the neighborhood. I would like to bring by some pastries from Republic. They answered back. They're like, Oh my gosh, you're going to get us pastries. Oh, mind you, these are people who determined thousands of dollars of grants and just treating like human being and appreciating their time meant the world to them. That was, they thought it was the nicest thing anybody's ever done for them. And I was like, the people on the other side of the call, they're human beings. So just, and also, like I said, it shows that you value their time. And so how you continue having those relationships, like those, these mentorships is that you set up like a monthly, bi-monthly, every three months, one hour call saying like, so we can just do our check-in. You know, so like for the next year, let's just do like a call. I tell my students every semester because they have a little bit more of a leeway in time. If it's project specific, it may be more off, more frequent. But if it's something you general mentorship, just saying like, okay, one call, I just want to talk about your career and how'd you get to how did you get started? Like give me like all the details that is not on a LinkedIn page or not also executives use LinkedIn. Just FYI. <laughs> I know we're like as creatives, we're like, oh LinkedIn. Mm, executives use LinkedIn. So, I know. I love it. I don't know why, but we just absolutely love it. But like, you talk about structure. Can we provide the structure for the people? Can we provide the structure for the people? Can we provide the structure for the people? Can we provide the structure the people? Can we provide the 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 post things there and interact with people there as opposed to on Twitter or Instagram or, or Facebook or so on and so forth. So at LinkedIn is a good place for like, you know, you're getting the more professional side of the industry. But yeah, so like I said, you know, with mentorship, you want to value their time. And like I said, just an hour, you know, you don't have to do the coffee every time you eat. That's just the initial kind of conversation starter that you want to treat from the coffee because you would have done that anyway. So if you, and also don't say pick your brain. <laughs> like that's the weirdest thing. It's it's weird. So it don't weird. pick my brain. Can I pick your what brain? Do you mean? It's 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 weird. I would love to. Sure, I would love to talk more about you know um, what you've done. Like I want to hear more about. Be very specific. And when you talk to them, ask them questions. Ask them lots and lots of questions. You know, uh, to get them opening up and talking about themselves. Wow.
you know, Jennifer, well, Jennifer McDougal, who we interviewed when this episode will air, we interviewed her uh, this Thursday, but by the time this airs, it won't be this Thursday. Yeah. Um, you talked about that, like um, being online and treating people like actual human beings. She used the, um, the example of if I was at a party and someone said, you know, I like your dress and you did a thumbs up. She said, that would be weird. <laughs> she said, if somebody said, I like your dress and you, you know, you just didn't even respond that would that would be awkward she was like even online you can still connect you can still be social you can still mm -hmm. yep. like they're human beings don't get caught up in just the virtual aspect of things still, still yeah. be still be normal and real yep yeah and it's 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 really it's really interesting because one of my um one of my friends john cry oh of course we, we interviewed john so everyone check out that episode it was amazing. Um, but one, one of the things that he said is the most, he always tells me the most wonderful thing about this industry is that it's collaborative. Yeah. The most annoying thing about this industry is that it's collaborative. It's a good way of putting it. So, so it's, 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 it's annoying because you have to find connections with people in order for them to really want to invest. And I say invest because it's investment when somebody puts their time into you or if they're just giving you resources that it took them years to come up with, it's an investment, right? Mm -hmm. So it, it, it's annoying that that um, that you have to find people to in, invest in you, but it's yeah. also a beautiful thing that you have to find people to invest in you because it contributes to your overall art, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. as, you right. as an artist, artist and a creative. So, you know, when you're out here trying to find people, you know, really just take the time. Like you don't have to rush yeah. you know, mentorship. You don't have to rush and try to get as much as you can out of a person. Mm -hmm. Like it can be something that you develop over a period of time. One of my mentors came on the show, Andy Fickman, and I've known Andy for nearly five years. Andy's a fantastic, six years. Andy is a fantastic director. And it wasn't even hard, I'm gonna be real. It wasn't hard for me to get him as a mentor um because of the person that he is mm -hmm. he was just mm -hmm. a great person and he was just like i was just like i was i was like i'm stuck andy i need advice i don't know where to go in this industry and then he was just giving me advice he was like tish you need to try this tish you need to try that tish why you do this tish when you're dealing with the studios ah you don't need to you don't need to say yeah. this or say that i'm like i'm straight i'm like listen studio yeah. <laughs> like, what you said, you said is very important here. You had a very specific question, you know, it was very targeted. So when you asked them a question, he was able to answer. Yes. So when you said general mentorship, it could be overwhelming for an executive. So you're like, well, what yeah. do y'all need? About? Asking something that's very specific and saying like, I, this, I'm stuck. Cause you know, as humans, we're natural problem solvers. Right. You know, so people want to solve a problem. So if you give a problem they can solve, like I said, it's project-based, that's such a great entryway to getting a mentor during this time. And, you know, I also think it's like actually having something that you're actively working on. Um, I think that when, if you're, if you're working on a, if you're creating, working on a project, creating a film, creating content, have a YouTube show, have a podcast, um, even some of the people that have been on the show, I met them all like Tish, she has her people she brought out and I have even us, you know, we, we met, we've met, I've met these people in very indirect ways. Um, and I think that sometimes 
what you're, I really love the podcast because it's an indirect way to be able to collaborate with people without being extremely salesy. Because mm-hmm. as an actress, as a host, sometimes before when I was, sorry, sometimes before when I was speaking to people, it was like, give me an opportunity, give me an opportunity. Yep. And now, you know, I just connect with people, I meet with people, and I have so many things that I'm doing that it's just like eventually we just collaborate. Eventually Mm -hmm. it just naturally happens. Like we uh, spoke with Barbara Barnell Abel, she's a casting director. And I mean, I took a class from her, but now, you know, I'm like, hey, what do you think about these headshots? Hey, what do you think about this resume? Hey, I'm getting my reel done. What do you think about this? Hey, I wanna go out for this or that. And it's, and it's it's not even aggressive because we mm-hmm. have a relationship, we've built a relationship, and it's just extremely casual but effective and intentional. So, like you said before, at least you don't have to do everything at once. You know, no. <laughs> you don't have to do everything at once, but also have something that you're working on because mm-hmm. I didn't always have something that I was working on. Sometimes it was like I just I, I need your help. No, create something, even if. For those viewers out there, even, whatever you're doing in this day and age, even if it's your TikTok, hey, I want to yeah. grow my audience. Even if it's as simple as a TikTok or as big as a film, have something that you're working on because then people can give you advice and they can work with you. And, but the word is work. And can I can I say that? Can you? And this is what I talk about in my ebook as well. Can you commit to that? Can you commit to whatever it is that you're working on? I, and mm-hmm. I, I want to say this to people as well. If you have something that you're working on, like your your book or your your say your nonprofit or whatever, it's a conduit for your art. Mm-hmm. Don't think that you have to stop your art mm-hmm. <laughs> just because you're oh, using yeah. a conduit or something to help you get where you need to be at. You will be surprised how that one thing that you're creating will get you in more rooms with more people than you just saying that I need something. Because like Dark Hoy is saying, people are willing to solve. And I think people naturally are willing to help if what it is that you're presenting them is something that doesn't take up a lot of their time. Mm -hmm. You're doing the majority of the work. They're not doing the majority of the work, right? Unless you're paying them, unless you're paying them, because they'll do the work when you're paying them, but you're gonna pay them a lot of money. Right. Yeah. Or if, and and if you have something that you are working on to where you have a goal to where it needs to be at, and mm-hmm. because we can't do that with our careers, and this is what I I do talk about this in the book, we can't necessarily do that with our careers because we just don't know. Is there no one way, way to get there? But we can definitely find a tool, a podcast, a nonprofit, a production company, yeah. an ebook. Uh, mentor, we can mentor, consult. I mean, there are many things that you can do to get you get you there. Mm-hmm. To get you there, like in, that you can use. Yeah, and then also one, one more thing. Oh, sorry. Yes, yeah. and one more point I want to make about those projects. And this is something like I said I tell my students um, is that that one project that you're like pouring your heart and soul into that might not be the project that's going to like really launch your career. Like you could talk to any. Um, any director, any writer, like anybody who's like, who achieves some level of success. And they'll tell you like, this is not the project I was expecting, but (laughs) this is the one that got me, or there's one script that really helped them, you know? Um, So yeah, so I don't know if you have more, 
there's so much I want to talk about. <laughs> I know. I know. Can we just talk about it? Because my mind is going, whatever, we keep it real right here. My mind's going a mile a minute. And I'm like, I gotta ask Elise all the questions. I gotta yeah. ask Elise all the questions. But I'm so I just to piggyback off of what you said, I'm so happy that you said that. And for viewers out there, I felt I've fallen victim of that as well. Sometimes that project that you're working on, it's just to open the door, open the door. I've even yeah. seen that. Do Dominic Fishback, Dominic Fishback. She is killing the game. I remember when she wrote uh, her one woman play and that one woman play. I don't even know if people still remember it, but I've watched her career and that one woman play introduced her to her agent, introduced her to these people. I think Nigel Barker became her friend off of that. And it opened all of these doors to where, I mean, she just blew up. Mm -hmm. And that that one project wasn't the thing that made her blew up, but it opened it opened the door and it, it, door. Started, it started her journey. And mm -hmm. I, I think that it's so important, like whatever you're thinking about, do it because that that project that you think like you're put trying to be that you're trying to make perfect that you're trying to put everything into is it may not even be the thing like you said yeah. to blow you up but it'll get you to the next step into the next level and can we say and and this is what i want to say to people i and because i don't want people to get the misconception that you have to just go out there and just start looking at people and doing all these things because like i said on last episode i started looking at youtube and girl i got so overwhelmed i was just like i can't do this so i came back to me this is why we started the podcast i came back to me i'm like well tish what are you good at doing i'm good at giving advice and problem solving right so when we created this podcast and i did my ebook i was just like you know it's just me mm -hmm. it's just me it's unique to me you know so what i want you guys to also understand if you're out there and you're creating something and it's a conduit let it be you and this is we're going to get into branding we're going to get more into branding this season but you know if it's unique to you and I see it on your website, right? It's not going to be like, wow, that's that's really crazy. It's going to be like it's it's going to be genuine and unique because it's you, you know, and I want people out there to create things like the motivation album that they're created, like my, you know, ebook that I created that you're passionate about as well and that you can also bring your creativity to. But it doesn't necessarily have to be your acting because Darkoya, we've said this on the show before, like sometimes you'll go to a person and you'll be like, you know, I need advice or I need this and that. And they'll be like, no. And you'll be like, oh, well, you know what? I also created a motivation album if you want to check it out. And I literally, I brought to this, to I, I'm not going to say who the person is, but I was in a meeting. I was in a production meeting. I brought up Darkoya's album because they were talking about how their kids. Off, it is our album because we have. No, no, it's our album, but she's the. Uh, let me tell you, Elise. I brought up this album because I was like, yeah, you know, my my best friend created this motivation album for kids, you know, in COVID, and they were like, yeah, you know, my niece and nephew are dealing with this, and this is like this huge company. Could you send me that album over? Sure. Sure. I'm just saying, nothing too. Just saying. and it, it, it came from a genuine place. It wasn't like I was I wasn't trying to. I was just like, yeah, you know, these kids out here or whatever. But if you have something that you're working on, whether you're a student, because I think being a student in college is already a lot, whether you're a student in college or, you know, you're getting out of college and you want to start a project to really show who you are. 
let it be something genuine to who you are. Absolutely. And a lot of people do that, like Tabitha Brown. I mean, Tabitha Brown, she has her food, her vegan stuff, you know, you have um, Danny Washington and all the people that Darkoya recommends. Um, Danny Washington, she really loves water. So she has a nonprofit to help, you know, the ocean and kids understand by like water biology. I mean, all of these things are things that they love, but they're but still- it's also But it's yeah. also like, and, and this just goes, goes back to creating your own opportunity. Um, creating your own opportunity and finding ways to create your own opportunity. And so I know that this season is all about opportunity readiness. We talked about creating your own opportunity last season. So go watch those. But um, I really just want to ask you this question, Elise, um, because I know that a lot of people can benefit from it. Um, how have you prepared yourself for opportunities as they um, as they have presented themselves, mm -hmm. and what advice can you give emerging filmmakers on how to be opportunity ready when opportunities present themselves? Yeah, I think the biggest thing I can describe um, tell you a story about uh, when I was young. Um, I was a uh, little Miss Busybody. <laughs> I'm oh, middle, really? Yeah. <laughs> I'm the middle of five kids. And, you know, so my dad would travel for work and like my mom used to watch us and we were at like a, we traveled with my dad, we used to work, we went to the hotel. And so my dad was like, you know, you got to watch Elise, you know, cause you know, she'd run around. I must have been like two at the time. And as soon as my mom turned her back, unstrapped me, I jumped right in the deep end. <laughs> and my mom didn't know how to swim, how to pull me out by my braids. And when I was going through a tough transition in my career, I was like, my dad reminded me, he was like, you're still the same release that ju will jump in the deep end and not know how to swim. Um, so I took that with me and I was like, wow, I've, throughout my entire career in terms of like finding being opportunity ready, I've never been afraid to jump in the deep end. You know, I've never been afraid to take risk. Um, and I've taken some huge risks. Some have paid off tremendously, actually most of them, but like when I, I would be remiss if I say it wasn't absolutely terrifying. Um, but I just knew I had to do it. Like, and I know I had to trust that there is something bigger, you know, I'm a person of faith. Like I believe that, you know, God got me, you know, and I just had to jump right into it. Like I talked about moving to different cities. Like, you know, I remember when I uh, went to grad school at Columbia, I didn't know a soul. I didn't even know Columbia was an Ivy League school, y'all. Can I tell y'all? <laughs> I went to a small black college in North Carolina, went to Salem State for undergrad. And I just was new. I was like, well, I'm just going to try a film studies degree in New York City. NYU missed the deadline. Columbia, don't know the school, but I guess I'll apply. So, and I just went and I just like trusted like, you know, that this was the right path for me. And ever since I've kind of just like trusted that God's got me, like I've seen doors open and I've opened a company that ended up being terrible, but I've learned so much. And I've went with context and knowledge that I did not have before. I mean, you name it, I've been through it. Like I've been sexually harassed at, at, at work. I've been uh, racially discriminated against. I've been unceremoniously fired several times. So when people are like, oh, you did all this other stuff. And I was like, yeah, but I've been fired from most of those jobs too. <laughs> you know, those companies have gone way under, you know, and gone down in flames. And this has been a really challenging. So I can't tell y'all like, oh, this is the things and positive things that you can do without telling you that I remember I had to move, I had a beautiful apartment in Koreatown, like big washer and dryer, dishwasher, balcony overlooking the pool, parking spot in K-Town, people who know, know. <laughs> and everything. And I remember I had to leave the apartment because I lost my job. I had zero income, couldn't set up my unemployment. And I lost my apartment. I was literally on the 
before he even crying because I had to give up everything that my dreams were thought it was going to happen. And I and I was just and my sister um, called me up. She was like, "Get your ass up." <laughs> <laughs> to start packing and start moving. And, I had to move, and that's when I had to move back to New York. So I had to say that before I tell y'all, like, this is what you need to do to be opportunity ready. Like you need to be opportunity, you need to be ready for heartache and disappointment and be ready for things and for blessings and for things to happen and to work in your direction. Because even through all of this stuff, I didn't realize I was being set up and to be in a very stable environment right now and to be happy and to see my career grow and my, um, my goals shift too. Like my goals are bigger. I was thinking so small. I was only going to do this thing, but like so far I've done so many other things that I'm like, what? First I was like, well, maybe I should just be, uh, run, just run a film festival. That's one, one dream was run the film festival. But now it's like, man, I said, well, why run a film festival? I can sit on the board, you mm. know, when I can, <laughs> when I can make a bigger impact, you know, on the organization or why just mentor this one group of filmmakers when I can mentor a whole group. You know, so it's a matter of being opportunity ready is about seeing the bigger picture. You know, it's like, okay, some people are like, okay, I'm just going to write, I'm just going to write. But they may have the gift of acting. They may have the gift of directing. So it's a matter of being opportunity ready is not limiting yourself. You know, it's jumping in that deep end. Because creativity is limitless. That's the book. So why do we, why do we limit ourselves? That's no. the question. Why do we limit ourselves? And you know, I, I what I what I will say though is um it's it's a very Western thing to to limit the what we do. Um if you if you are European, you're probably pretty much used to doing multiple things. Or if you're from like the Caribbean or whatever, it's it's very common for you to have several things that you're very good at you know, that you can actually do. So I also, I, it's, it, it goes back to what we always talk about, having a mindset, of, un, uh, the mindset of understanding that you are not limited. Mm-hmm. Um, and it starts with kind of like, you gotta get in the space for that because I, as, as Bestie knows, I can do several things at several times. I'll do the book, I'll do the podcast, I'll do this, I'll do that. I had, like at one point, uh, probably for the last three months, Bestie knows I was overseeing five films from first-time filmmakers for a studio. Okay, five films. Mm-hmm. It was hard. Okay, yeah. but not everybody has the capacity to do that, right? And so don't do and learn how to accept help because you realize that you needed an assistant. Like yes. I, I think that. Um, realize that you are you are just one person you mm-hmm. know realize that when you are scaling scaling mm-hmm. when you're leveling up and scaling that you don't have to do everything by yourself as well mm-hmm. and sometimes maybe your strong suit like some things when you're in that space then i do certain things with the business or vice versa like it's not it's you know people they see the output and they see what you're putting out there and they're like oh wow that's so mm-hmm. exciting but they don't see all of the moving parts and i would just like to piggyback off of a uh, mindset I I disagree. I don't think it's Western or European. I think that people don't understand that we have certain generational curses. We have things that have been projected onto us from childhood, from um, from from our education system, from our families, from our friends, from people that we've met in our lives. And sometimes we don't even realize because I'm you know I'm a believer in therapy. Sometimes we don't yes. even realize that our behavior and our thought patterns 
it's not even really you that you don't even realize sometimes that you're limiting yourself. Like mm -hmm. I think it's just, if you've only been exposed to, oh, I know millionaires, right? And you didn't know that you could be a billionaire, you would never even think to reach for that. Mm -hmm. It wouldn't, even, it wouldn't okay. even be a thought. But what yeah. I want to say about that, and just to add context to what I was saying, Bestie, is that when you go to a lot of European or islands, they don't tell you you have to do one thing. You have to be a doctor, right? You could be a doctor. You could be a poet. Because their educational system is set up so differently than it is. Well, here. it's also because there's universal health care. There's, yeah, a, there's exactly. a system, there's a fund for the arts. Almost every yeah, other country exactly. has a specific fund. If you're a filmmaker in the UK, you, ha you have access to funds. In South Africa, there's a distribution fund of like 20,000 in local currency set up for distribution, distributing your film within the country. Canada has an amazing system with telefilm and like, you know, we're finding funding opportunities and helping you shoot movies. We don't have that. So the mindset here is not even like, because we're um, Americans, it's because, you know, the country doesn't provide a safety net. So that's wow. why we're encouraged. One thing that I'll go back to talking about my family, and I'm so grateful for them is that they didn't push me to be, they knew I was gonna be the creative child. So they didn't push me to be an engineer. Well, sometimes my dad would be like, you sure? Uh, this broadcast engineering, I was like, Dad, no. Um, but it's a matter of like, okay, at least it's creative. The more we stifle her, it's like, it's not going to do her any justice. There's a lot of the people we talk about who are the, the engineers and who work in IT and stuff like that, who wish they could have been a filmmaker and who are now becoming filmmakers. You know, it was like, you know what? And they're listening to this. They're going to seek out this podcast. They're going to seek out your book. They're going to seek out your motivational album because they're like, you know, I've been pushed because I've had to like, this mindset I have to provide for myself because I don't have a government, I don't have a system that's set up to provide for myself. So right. I don't think it's a fault of our own. And I really do think it has everything to do with like, you know, um, not giving up, you know, that's the reason why I told the story. Like I could have gave up so many times and my sister told me to get my ass up. It was like, she told me, she was like, you could have, you had every right and could have left the film industry because of the way I was treated. But then I was like, no, because I, this is, this is my, not just my passion, because I think passion is too small. It's your purpose. Yeah. If you're living and aligning with your purpose, things do fall into place in the most random ways. Because if you would have told me two years ago that I'll be coming back to New York and working for a school, I've been like, but I want to be a fancy executive at Netflix. The good Lord had other plans mm -hmm. for me. You know, I couldn't find a job in LA to save my life. So I had to go ahead and move back. This was literally the best decision I've ever, I thought of it as a failure. I thought of coming back to New York as, a, as me failing. I really did. And this has been the biggest blessing of my entire life to be able to have a stable job in a pandemic. Can we talk about it? Yeah. So, yeah. Just trusting when the things you feel like everything's failing and you're literally, cause I don't say I hit rock bottom cause I've seen bottom before, but I was pretty low. And it took me a year of therapy to get to the point where I was okay with being back in New York and not seeing this as a failure. And I'm starting to see, okay, I'm seeing my life being set up in these different ways. So whenever anybody listening in, you're coming into those moments, I mean, you have great resources that I just listed with the album and the book, ebook and this podcast, you know, like trust, like there are resources available for you when you need to transition, when you need, when you need to like leave a position or you're just starting over, like there's help in everything. So, I mean, I wish I had y'all <laughs> two years ago or two years ago when I moved back to New York. Um, 
you know, you, I went through a similar thing where I went through post-grad depression. So when we graduated as millennials, there weren't jobs to receive us. Mm -hmm. And I just, I felt the same way. I remember I had to leave New York. I lost my job. Um, I think my, my dad and my, my dad was like unemployed at the time and he helped me pay half of my rent and my mom paid the other half of my rent. And I just remember like bestie knows I was crying and I was just like, you know, I just feel like a failure. I feel like a failure, but that sparked my interest in, um, personal self-development and motivation. And what I didn't realize is like you said, that God was actually shifting my life. If that, if I, if I never went through that season, I would have never developed an entrepreneur mindset. Yes. I would have never, I mean, like Tisha tells you, I'm constantly reading something, telling her, oh, well, this book says this and this book says this. And even some of the people that have mentored her, she's like, oh, they read this book too. They read this book too. But I would have, I would have never kind of shifted into purpose because I, I was only, I was only utilizing like a fragment of what God really uh or what God really designed me for. Um, what I realized is that my purpose isn't to be an actress. My purpose is to motivate and encourage and inspire people. But I didn't know that. And I thought that I could only do it in a small, um, minute way. But yeah. I was like, oh, no, no, no. You're, it's limitless. It's limitless. It's limitless. It, it, it's so interesting because I remember when I got out of school, I, when she got out of school, I was like, yeah, you need to create your own opportunity. And she was like, no, yes. like, let me tell you, no, Elise, yeah, let me tell you she was like, no, I'm an actress. I don't do that. That's what she told me. That's that what she mind. told me. She was like, I don't do that. And I was like, okay, all right. I'm yeah. Sure. Whatever, whatever works for you. Yeah, no, but that was, I'm telling you, it was serious because she was dramatic with it too. You see all this? This is, this is not even like how dramatic she got with it. She was like, I'm an actress. That's what I do. <laughs> but, okay. but it goes back to the mindset and having like, I was oh, like you, like you, Elise, I was only exposed to acting. I had no yeah. idea what you know, what really went into filmmaking, all the jobs, all the different things that you could do. And like the point you brought up earlier, I didn't know, or maybe it was used, Bessie, I didn't know that you could still do both simul simultaneously. Simultaneously, simultaneously, yeah. Simultaneously. And we had an interview with Daryl C. Scott, um, and he talked about that. He said, you know, putting yourself in a position of ownership, but also not letting anybody define what your dream is and put you in a box because mm -hmm. a lot of times in this industry they do they're like well you're this and you're that and he said you might be known for that everybody you you do need to be known for something because you're that's that's your go-to for people they're like oh yeah they do that but that doesn't mean that you have to personally limit yourself mentally into one thing you know nope. so yeah. very very important Elise, I know we're um, we're coming to the end, but I, I do want to ask you one additional question because I feel like this it goes along with what we've been talking about, which is mentorship, distribution, opportunity, readiness. Um, and maybe you can kind of sum it up for me in maybe a couple steps. But what are some of the pitfalls that you've seen um, for filmmakers out there who are creating their films or creating you know, their own opportunity or they're just starting out or they've been doing it for a while because I do believe that there's steps to where we're at and I talk about that in my book, guys. But uh, <laughs> um, what are the pitfalls that, um, are some of the pitfalls that you have encountered or you see that a lot of filmmakers make if you could, um, if you could- Yeah, 
So I think the, one of the biggest challenges, and hence why a lot of the industry don't respond to those long emails, it's like, um, like I want to be careful when I say this term and I want to explain it. It's like an over-eagerness. It's a matter of like they're casting everything in this one email. So that's only going to overload. So I think the biggest pitfalls are, you know, you're putting everything, you're putting everything on the line for this one opportunity because this is the only chance you're going to be successful. You know, and I was like, when you think about your purpose and how much is so much bigger than what you are, I feel bigger than who you are. Like, I think it, it relieves that pressure of like, this is the end all be all. And then you have that opportunity to come from someone you least expect it to be. So I think it's a matter of like thinking bigger about your, you know, everyone has these great, like big dreams and that's fine to dream big, but also realizing and understanding that there are steps to it. Like that one person who you think is going to help you, what I summed up earlier, one person who you think is going to help you, like you, like Stefan, like Spike Lee worked for Stefan, but there's other people who Spike Lee mentors that don't have a film on Netflix, that don't achieve the success that he's achieved, you know? So it's a, it's different for everybody. So I think it's just understanding that, you know, um, your path is not going to look like anyone else's, you know? Uh, I don't know yeah. anybody who has the same path as me. I don't know anybody who has the same path. No. Any one of y'all. No. I didn't know what your path was. I had to go to, I mean, I know you. I was like, look at, even on your website, I was sitting there, I was like, okay, so she does everything? Like, everything. <laughs> like so. literally, I was just like, I'm waiting for you to like cast yourself and, and produce it and distribute it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but but yeah. no, I, I think that's really, I think that's really important to, to say because you know, when when Jennifer Jennifer Medugo came on last week, you know, she was a celebrity um, makeup artist, and then she became, you know, a social media influencer. But it's very particular because people, and this is what we do. It's a tendency that we do is we look at other people and we say, "Well, I can take the same route," instead of saying, "You know what? I don't want to take the same route, but the, I want to get to that destination." Right. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I, I, I think it's really what you're saying is very interesting because I have not met one. And, and sometimes because Hollywood does this, they'll give you stories that are very similar to one another. Mm -hmm. And it makes it seem like because we all we all we, we desire structure. That's just something we desire structure some way. Somebody just tell me how to get it. And it's just not that simple. It just isn't. It isn't. It's you not. have to find you have to find your own way. If you are an entrepreneur and someone can 100% tell you how you can make like a million dollars just like without doing like any crazy ridiculous some some type of program, you would just be like, "Oh, everybody would be there, right?" Yep. But there even for entrepreneurs, there's no one way to do it. There's yeah. no one way to do it. So, yeah. I think that's really really important for artists to know that your way is your way point blank is your That's way right. you know? man well elise we know that you have to go we know that you're visiting family thank you so much for coming on to the show we just want to ask you one last question I was like, oh, and for everybody out there, Elise has a wealth of knowledge, just to let you know. Literally, we haven't even scratched the surface of just what she knows and the knowledge that she has. So but I have to bring um, her back to another episode. That's what we're gonna yes, have to do. Yes, maybe like a panel, like discuss like oh. a panel type discussion. Yeah, we can do like that. Some, 
some other different people so then we can piggyback and kind of have like a round table discussion. Um, we have somebody from Fuse TV who's going to be on here talking about digital marketing. So that might kind of be able to, uh, that might be cool to do. Um, but, uh, but I'm just happy that we just were even able to, and I won't say pick your brain, uh, that we were able to uh, just talk with you and just hear a little bit about what you have to say about opportunity readiness. But we want to ask you our final question, which we ask everybody. What is your mantra for getting your mindset right and getting motivated? It, it like your life anthem. It could be like a song, uh, maybe something you say to yourself um, that you've kind of like used throughout the years. And yeah. you have more than one, but. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I mean, I have several. Um, one is too long to, to post here, but like Solange had a uh, post that she made when she turned 30. I recommend everyone looking that post up about telling your own story, being the author of your own story. Um, and two, okay, so I love cartoons. I'm silly. I can't help it. Uh, but I was just thinking about this mantra this morning, and that is like literally from Meet the Robinsons. It's like a more um, Disney film, but it's keep moving forward. Keep moving forward. Yeah. And it was a big thing. They were like, keep moving forward. Like every like time they made a mistake keep moving forward. Like that is just like yeah. focusing on, you know, um, like just keep moving forward. And then lastly, it would be about like, you know, everyone used to talk about gratitude and and what is it like to be like gratefulness. And now like right now as we're talking, this is around Thanksgiving time. So, but like I have taken this understanding of gratefulness to the next level of like really taking it day by day. It's We've been hearing about gratefulness for so long, but I'm now in this moment, especially being around my family right now and being in 2020, like I understand gratefulness in an entire different way. So be like the Solange post about telling your own story, uh, keep moving forward and like just truly being grateful for literally the tiniest of things and understanding and the practice that it takes to be grateful because it is a practice. Amen. Yeah. Amen. Oprah says that. It's a practice. There we go. And, and guys, I just want to say one additional thing. I want to thank our sponsors, um, uh, Blue Lizard Bar and Grill and Desserts. Yay. Whoop, whoop. Um, for sponsoring our episodes. They are amazing. And they are our sponsors. And that's how we leveled up this season guys so we are walking we are walking proof of leveling up and being opportunity ready okay yeah. so we just want to we just want to put that out there guys we are we are literally doing what we are teaching you practicing, practicing what we preach okay yep. so thank you thank you to our sponsors also i want to remind everybody that um if you want to come to the Charleston area and you are hungry, you can go to Blue Lizard Bar and Grill, Blue Lizard 10, tell them you're coming from the podcast and they will give you a discount. So if you're out here for Thanksgiving and the food is like horrible, Kenny will hook you up. Yes. <laughs> and also the same, if you're in the San Francisco Bay area, check out desserts. Um, he cooks like an old, uh, old like 80 year old Southern woman, but he's <laughs> in his 20s um hit him up for all your dessert needs thank you so much elise for coming thank on the show literally thank we're gonna have you back so i think it's like you know on wendy williams how she was like a friend to the show i feel like you're kind of just a friend to the show oh yeah i was a friend of the show before i even came on the show right yeah basically <laughs>
your friend to the show. So we, we will be having you back as we continually talk about how, how you guys out there need to get your ish together. Mm-hmm. Okay. Just, just and level up. And level up and yep. be opportunity ready. But um, at least stay on for us for five minutes. And guys, we will see you next week. Bye. Bye. Thank you.